This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Come on, now you know really what you missed. Now you know really what you missed. You, you, have, you can enjoy everything, the sound, the pictures, the game, the, the weather today. Oh, everything was like enjoyable, apart from the result. I saw two very good football teams, a great first half from us, and actually a good, a good second one, because it's so tricky. It's so tricky. You play against nine defenders, goalie involved, in and around the box. You have to create, you have to create, you have to create. And we did. Did we do it in perfection? No. Did we do it well? Yes. So, could we have done better? Yes. But it's early in the season and, and it's a tough opponent and you with 11 versus 10 you have one disadvantage only one it's like you feel a little bit under pressure to do something so it was not a massive advantage today but for sure we should have made more we've done more of it but it's still a draw they deserved it and we have as well one point more than before and let's carry on off the ball kicks off now on bfm 89.9 uh Half delighted, Jurgen Klopp speaking after the one-one draw with Chelsea at the be- at the weekend. So it was our first big Titanic clash of the brand new season, and was it a fair result? Well, we'll find out from the guys. Hey there, it's me, Ross. Welcome to Off the Ball. You can, of course, keep up with uh, everything that's going on on the show. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Um, Yeah, as we go into our first international break of the season. And um, we'll we'll still be on air, so don't worry about that. But uh, you heard Klopp at the start. Liverpool won. Chelsea won. A, A red card involved for Rhys James of Chelsea and then... Chelsea really had to dig in deep. A hard-earned point. Was it was it a, a fair result for you, Cameron Aslan? Liverpool won, Chelsea won. What's, why, why do we always talk about fair results? It's, it is what it is. But I think that uh, Liverpool showed that they are not title contenders the, for this season. Pretty much a full-strength Liverpool, unable to break down the 10 men of uh, Chelsea. In the second half, I think they only had two shots on target or thereabouts, and uh, so uh, and they got kind of lucky with their, their penalty. Uh, yeah, I, I, w- I was disappointed to see uh, Liverpool unable to break them down. You know, Man City, on the other hand, managed to put three past the ten men of Arsenal. Uh, so, so uh, I think, I think ten, ten, end of the season for Liverpool. You, you could have five men of Chelsea that would be equivalent to ten men of Arsenal. Uh, maybe, yeah. but uh, let, let's go to, to Arvin first. And let me ask you, Arvin, what was the Reese James red card justified? Well, the penalty for me is justified because at the end of the day, he is stopping a goal scoring opportunity. The ball was going to go in anyway. Um, he It's deflected off his thigh and, and hit, in, hit his arm. Whether it's a question whether it's intentional or non-intentional, that's another debate and all. But when you look at this, this is literally double punishment. You, you, you're getting a situation where the penalty is already been given and you're sending off the man. And typically the entire second half kind of changes the dynamic of what the first half was happening. So for me, it's a penalty. The sending off for me and credit to both Klopp and Thomas Tuchel, they both come out and said that it's very unfortunate when you have these type of double punishments there. So for me, it was tough. Uh, but I agree with, with Camp to a certain extent. Um, Liverpool should have broken them down. Uh, but the difference is that one red card for Arsenal and they completely kept capitulate, and one red card for Chelsea and they just fight through. Resilience, bravery, strong mentality, European champions, they're going to have yeah. a very good season, guys. Very good season. Absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You, you, you can't be European champion unless you really have some resilience. And I think the red card in many aspects, Craig Wilkie, it totally spoiled the game as a spectacle because it forced... Chelsea to go defensive. Liverpool, that all the onus was on Liverpool then. And let's not forget, it is to start the season with, what, three games in. So, um, I mean, I, I understand, I've been reading a lot of Liverpool fans saying, you know, Liverpool of two seasons ago would have wiped the floor clean with Chelsea. Bit harsh, I thought. Yeah, there's been a whole range of reactions to that game in the aftermath. I mean, I'm still coming to terms with the fact, as you mentioned at the top of the show, that I'm going to have to watch Scotland again next weekend. So let's take, <laughs> let's take one step at a time. Um, <laughs> but turning to the Liverpool performance, I was a bit disappointed as well. 
And I, I agree with, I said at the start of the season that I didn't feel as though Liverpool's squad and first 11 made them title contenders this year. And this was another indication of that. And to be honest, it's not only judged on that second half performance where they should have done more to break Chelsea down, albeit a very, very well-disciplined and resolute Chelsea defensive effort. If you look at even the first half, Chelsea were the better side in the first half for me. Liverpool had more possession. Liverpool had a little bit more territory. But Chelsea were playing the game that they wanted to come and play. Yeah. And when they were getting forward on the break, they were causing more problems from Liverpool, for Liverpool than, than Liverpool were doing at the other end. And when I look at the balance of that Liverpool side, there's just a little bit of creative spark missing. Once again, I thought Elliot was fantastic. And he's the one that you might look to in that midfield. But if you look at a midfield three of Henderson, Fabinho and Elliot, it's a lot to ask of a youngster who's had so little experience, so little game time to come in and be that creative force to really orchestrate things. I know Thiago mm. came on later in the game, but didn't really have much influence as has maybe been the case throughout a lot of his Liverpool career. And then as the second half wore on, I think two things you have to know. One is that Chelsea, it wasn't a back-to-the-wall kind of a performance. They were so well-drilled. They'd been through that in training, you could tell. They'd practiced playing with 10 men. Everybody knew exactly what their job was. Yeah. There was no panic. They stayed so compact, made it really difficult to play through, to be fair. But what ended up happening was Van Dijk had a shot from halfway between the, the center circle and the, and the penalty box. Fabinho had a shot from outside the area. Andy Robertson had a pretty good volley, but again, from outside the area. And if you're Tuchel on the bench, you're thinking, well, this is fantastic. That's exactly what I want to see. Players having shots like that. And Mendy, how many, he made a few good saves, but how many really big saves did he have to make? You know, Salah getting in that pocket inside the box where he's really dangerous. Quality balls into the box for Jota to go and attack. There weren't enough of those. That's where Liverpool let themselves down. That's where they didn't create enough chances in that second half. Yeah, and Firmino went off with what looks like an injury as well. So, so that's a worry. Of course, the transfer window is still open for another day. We'll, we'll, on our Friday show, we'll, we'll wrap up um, everything that's gone on. The craziest on, on, transfer window of all time. I know, on deadline day. Also, on Friday, we'll tell you the first manager of the month winner of our BFM Fantasy Football League brought to you by my-soccer.com. So, yeah, that's on Friday. We go on with the weekend's football Saturday. In fact, the, the whole weekend started with a horror movie. As far as Arsenal fans are concerned, it was the 7.30 kickoff. And if you're an Arsenal fan, if, if you're having dinner at the time um, in Asia or, or wherever, it would have been hard to swallow. Uh, it was... I mean, to say they were outplayed, Cam, by Man City is is a bit insulting to City, really. <laughs> uh, we of, we often joke about you know crisis clubs, but uh, but this this is this is a real crisis club. Uh, probably the biggest crisis I think I've ever seen. Uh, they they're mitigating circumstances. Even Pep Guardiola came out in defence of his good friend Arteta, saying that there were there are a great many injuries in the uh, Arsenal squad. But this is Arteta's squad, and they looked worthless as a team and as individual players, despite the fact that they have the fifth highest wage bill in the Premier League. And, and like Aubameyang gets paid considerably more than Harry Kane. I think, I think uh, Arsenal actually have spent the most in this transfer window as well so far. <laughs> You've got Arvin and Craig nodding. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's and all you don't get sad. a. And you don't get a sense that uh, if if Arteta has a plan that the players have have really bought into or understand what it is, yeah. they just collapsed on the first goal. And you know, by three goals down, it it was just Xhaka hurling himself in with an awful tackle was a sign of just pure frustration. And uh, I'm I'm really uh, scared for the, for for Arsenal, but I think that their speed dial on. Um, on uh, Sam. Sam Allardyce is uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really would make sense <laughs> uh, Graham Potter I'd be interested to see at Arsenal well, why would he time. leave Brighton I mean he's yeah, kind yeah of true true going very, well. very true very true uh, Granit Xhaka has got at least two or three of those a season in him let me tell you <laughs> Arvin agrees with me Arvin I mean City. Let, let's look at City. Uh, a lot's been made about their failure to to land Kane, Ronaldo, 
But I mean, we, we've said before, if there's one team who can actually go through a season without a recognized number nine, it is a, ma- a city side managed by Pep Guardiola. Yeah, uh, I mean, they had a great start to the evening, you know, the unveiling of their two new statues outside the stadium, uh, David Silva and Vincent Company. They probably didn't think they would be facing 11 other statues on the pitch because that's what they were <laughs> facing when they were facing the Arsenal boys. But yeah, I mean, I mean, when they lose a game like the, the, they did against Spurs, two 5-0 haulings after that, granted one was against Norwich and one is against Arsenal. By the way, the first six-point relegation fight will be when Norwich play Arsenal in the next round. That's <laughs> but, but But no, I mean, other than that, 80.9% possession, the most since records started being taken into place in 2003-2004. Target Grealish is setting in nicely. He sets up more chances than any other players. Uh, Gundogan again runs... And, and Ferran Torres is an interesting one because he's trying to adopt him into that number nine position because they don't have... They, he's come on and said, we're not buying any other strikers. So don't expect any last-minute movements from City. He's come on and said, we're not doing it. So he's going to have to try and reinvent and try and do what he did last season, which was not having a Kunagero there. He's quite clearly put um, Gabriel Jesus on the right and that's where he feels he's most, most reliable. So it's who's going to go up front and get those goals? You would expect the likes of Torres and maybe even Greenish. But again, I, I just I, I, I have to echo what Cam says. I, I cannot imagine how bad it is to be going through what Arsenal are going through right now. When your own fans, after the fourth goal, starts cheering and starts singing that we lose every week, Man City, you're nothing special. It's, it's just very, very sad to see what's happening <laughs> right now. It's, their best chance came in the game when, when Edison tried to clear the ball and he got deflected yeah. across. That, yeah. that was their best chance. It was and their best chance. That there's, there's no plan. In, in when Wenger was there, he was sixth place. Wenger out. When Emery was there, fifth place. Emery out. Now, when they are twentieth, trust the process. It, they've just fallen really on hard times. Aren't they? Yeah, even Mesut Ozil had a tongue-in-cheek tweet about the situation. It is bad at uh, at, at Highbury at the moment. Or oh, sorry, Emirates uh, at the moment. Craig Wilkie. How much time do you reckon Arteta has? I, I mean, look, we, we watch football every week. We, us, millions or thousands of miles away, we can't see any discerning plan when you watch Arsenal. You know, and we watch a lot of football. This is exactly the thing. Uh, you asked me this question last week, and I said, well, Arteta's already under pressure because of the start that they made the season. And I said then, by Christmas, if things don't improve, then I don't see any way back from I'm bringing that timeline a long way forward from there already after performance like that. The game now. Wow. And that whole thing around trust the process is, is fine up to a point, but you have to see what the process is. You have to believe that there's actually one in place. Now, to be, let's, let's be fair to Arteta. You know, nobody goes, goes out in the morning on the training ground or on the day of a game without a plan. He works hard, okay? He's been a top-level footballer. He's earned his coaching qualifications. He's... You know, he's kind of done his apprenticeship under greats like Pep himself. But that doesn't mean that you can translate it when it's on your shoulders, stood there in that dressing room, and everybody's looking at you to make the right decisions. And that's what football management is about at the end of the day. It's about decisions. Who are you going to sign? Who are you going to play? How are you going to set your team up tactically? And none of that has worked for Arteta. We've seen a few little spells maybe last season I've talked about before in terms of the youngsters coming through, adding a little bit of verve, maybe something like that. But the problem now is that that whole side looks shell-shocked. Yeah. And as soon as they lost the first goal, which was from just an abysmal piece of defending, how a centre-half lets the ball go across the face of the goal like that and makes virtually no attempts at clearance. And as soon as that happened, you, could, you knew exactly how that game was going to go. The only question was how many. There was never a moment in time where you thought Arsenal might play their way back into this, or they might at least get themselves solid enough to take some pride out of the performance. It just never looked like it. From and you, you can't go away to a place like City and give away a goal like that so early, and you know you're going to be on the back foot. You know confidence is low, and then all of a sudden it's it's going to be like that. And if you're an Arsenal fan, the the real the real struggle today is that. It was as easy for City as it was against Norwich. And I mean that in no disrespect whatsoever to Norwich, but that, that was the kind of performance that they put up. And then you know, we talk so many times about leaders. Xhaka goes in and just, you know, it's a moment of madness. It's such a rash, reckless challenge. And all you do is put your teammates in more trouble. Yeah. 
And so, yes, Arteta is under huge pressure and he deserves the pressure that he's under. But those players, time and time again, have let him down with just the most basic errors and not doing their jobs properly. And they all have to have a really long, hard look at themselves and say, as professional footballers, I should go out there and be given a much better account of myself than what I'm doing right now. And those Arsenal fans deserve a lot better than that. That's for sure. All right. Cam, do you, do you reckon, do you reckon um, um, Big Sam will be in before Christmas? <laughs> I'd, I would love to see that so much. <laughs> I, I can't think who else is available. And certainly I don't think they can poach anybody from any other teams. No, no one's going to walk away from their teams. But uh, there must be some young German guy who's uh, yeah. in the Bundesliga too. The, the Arsenal fan base want Antonio Conte really badly. But with Conte, there's a need to spend money. And they've spent quite a bit of money already. So. Yeah. Conte is not cheap and he will want money. Yeah, and, and I don't know. You're in so deep with Arteta now. I, I feel you've got to kind of give him a bit more time. Uh, you really are. Um, all right, I tell you what, we're heading to our first break. We continue looking back at a Weekend 3 right after this. Here is the battle, which above and beyond all others is not for losing. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. What a strike to hit that. That is as clean as you are ever going to see a football being hit. That is clean. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Cam, Arvin and Craig joining me this Monday evening to look back at the weekend's football. Rafa Benitez and the Everton Revolution is going along really, really nicely. They extended their unbeaten start to the season with a very classy 2-0 win at Brighton over the weekend cam um gone under the radar a little bit um last season of course big talk with ancelotti they, mind you they started like this as well as, as well with ancelotti so let's wait let's let's not jump the gun but signs are good at goodison park uh yeah i, I uh Benitez often goes under the radar. He's not, he hasn't been mentioned much when jobs become available. I think he's a magnificent uh, coach. Uh, I watched a documentary with uh, about Steven Gerrard the other day, and he didn't have anything nice to say about Benitez whatsoever. <laughs> um, <clears throat> really felt that he was a cold man. And so it's been kind of interesting to see how Damari Gray has really um, come forward and is flourishing. I, I, it's been a seasonal so since I, I thought, hey, Damari Gray, there's this guy and he's really good. So uh, that's good to see. But, um, uh, you know, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, Everton on TV. I must watch them. Uh, but uh, good for them. And, and they're going to get seventh. <laughs> I mean, underwhelming. You, you could describe the signings of Andros Townsend and Damari Gray preseason but gray has shown the quality since he's come from i think Bayer leverkusen was it german football yeah uh, i mean arvin he's he's quality he looks dangerous two in two now right yes and uh, i mean he, he always had that talent when previously he was at leicester but bargain of the summer 1.5 million from Bayer leverkusen where do you find players now for 1.5 million you can't even buy a championship player for 1.5 million so i'm not sure how they've managed to pull that off. But yeah, it, the, the signings came across a bit underwhelming, but it's probably a balance to what they did last season when they went for the likes of James Rodriguez and Alan, and they got all those, and, and Yeri Mina, they got bigger names back then, which are still in the squad. Uh, I thought they were dominant. There was a very mature display, wonderful game management, as you expect from any of Rafa Benitez's teams. Uh, good without the ball. They link up really well when it comes to transition play. So overall, I thought, Everton really, really, they really ran Brighton quite ragged on the day. And I think it could have been a little bit more. Um, the only concern I thought for them on the day was when the penalty came and Rich Allison kind Rich of Allison, yeah. yeah, he kind of refused to give the ball to already a designated penalty taker, which is Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who scored against Leeds the week before. So I don't get why is this happening, but that's the only thing for them to look out for. But other than that, I thought Alan had a great game. Both the yeah. goals were, were credit to him. Demara Gray we've spoken about. Luca Dina looked well, looked good as well. So good things by Everton. And I think every season we talk about Everton winning that initial first month cup or second month cup. So they might they might beat Liverpool in a game or in preseason. But I think under Rafa Benitez, there's a bit more nounce of a manager who knows how to navigate himself in the league. So I think they they they're set up for for a pretty good season. 
Yeah, I, I, I think you, you're right there, Arvin Sidhu. Um, for Brighton, well, the defeat ends their 100% start to the season. All right, maybe it was a bit of a false reflection, but the Graham Potter project, we, we've spoken about this before, Craig. I mean, Brighton are capable of playing good football. I mean, for them, it's always been the cutting edge up front. We saw we saw that in this Everton game. You know, New Malpai just couldn't find the back of the net, could he? Yeah, exactly. And that has been their undoing. We saw it last season. We've, we've seen it over, over a few seasons, to be honest. And Potter, to be fair, has, has got them playing a better brand of football, has, has got them in more advanced positions more often. So they're creating a bit more chances. But at the end of the day, as we've said before, it's all about that quality in the final third. Can you put those away? And I, I look to their midfield. And to me, there's a lot of strength in that midfield. You know, with Gross, Basuma, Lalana. There's a lot of players who are very comfortable on the ball, who can create things. So Brighton will always get opportunities from the likes of those players. But the question, as you say, is do they have someone up front who can consistently turn either draws into wins or get them back in a game, game like that where you need something out of somewhere just in a game where you've not really got much of a foothold in? And I, I agree. I thought Everton were very impressive, very comfortable, more comfortable than we might have expected in that game. I was expecting this one to be very even. But, you know... It is going to be a little bit up and down for Brighton. That's, I think that's inevitable. But they had two good wins to start the season. This was by far their poorest performance of the three. But they will go into the international break feeling as though six points so far is not a bad return. And they won't, there won't be any lack of confidence. You know, there is a place where there is some trust in the process. right? There is a lot of trust, I think, in Potter as the manager. The players believe in him. And, and they'll come back. And, I mean, who knows how far they might progress up the league table. But I think they'll have an OK season, Brighton. Absolutely. I think well said. I think both Brighton and Everton are going to have good seasons. Let's leave that for now. Uh, when the weekend started, West Ham United were top of the pile. 2-2 uh, against Crystal Palace is a surprising result, considering the Hammers were firing and everybody expected three points there. But, I mean, good result in the end. Actually, let's talk about Crystal Palace. What a surprise, Cam Razlan. Nobody saw two goals in Crystal Palace. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's be honest here. Yeah, and also, uh, I mean, I will admit my ignorance, I had not heard of Conor Gallagher before. Uh, yeah. he, he was... Chelsea Loney. Chelsea like yet another Chelsea youngster. And yeah. uh, he's being given his chance, and Craig be interested. He could yet, if he wished to, play for Scotland. Uh, he, um, if he but, wished I mean, to. <laughs> if he wishes to. But, I mean, I don't know, will, will, would he get there. a chance... Yeah, would he get a chance with Ireland? The the uh, he, he the way he took his second goal was so yeah. composed. Yeah. Um, in a very crowded penalty box, but and you know Antonio was magnificent in this match for for West Ham, and I'm I am enjoying seeing uh, Moyes play this sort of really kind of uh, basic generic football. You know, it's like it it's just sensible, intelligent football, and uh, but at the same time, I. I have a great fondness for Patrick Vieira. I don't want him to fail miserably. And it, I, I do hope that uh, Zaha has a, a, a link-up partner, although he's a midfielder, and say uh, Conor Gallagher. And I, I, I would like to see them do well, although I do have them going down this season. Mm. I, I, I like watching West Ham. Um, I, I thought Saeed Ben Rama played quite well. He's actually having a, a very good second season. And, and Mikel Antonio has just evolved, Arvin, into this this beast of a centre-forward, hasn't he? He has. Um, and I think I honestly think the first goal that West Ham scored was the team goal of the weekend for me. Pablo Fornals to Mikel Antonio, Mikel Antonio back to Fornals, back to Antonio again, and then Fornals sweeps it in. And the second goal, how he out-muscled uh, Joachim Anderson. He assisted and then scored himself because he got the ball that bounced <laughs> off him and then he scored. Fantasy should probably give him a little bit more points for that. I so, agree. I captained yeah, Antonio this weekend. I captained him as well. So it was a good week. But yeah, it's exciting times for the Hammers right now. I thought the, the atmosphere in the stadium was great. The fans look really up for it. They've got Kurt Zuma coming in right now, which is which will help them further consolidate at the back. They are in talks with uh, Nikola Vasic from CSK Moscow, yeah. which is another, another playmaker. So overall, things are going really, really well for West Ham. And, and it's just credit. Moyes, if he keeps doing what he's doing with this West Ham squad, I, I honestly feel it'll be a better achievement than when he took Everton to almost the Champions League. They got knocked out early in the rounds, but he brought them brought them in the top four. 
So if he keeps doing what he's doing with his West Ham squad, I, I honestly feel he, he'll eclipse that because he's just turned them into, into such a force. And Mikel Antonio, I mean, that finish itself, Mikel Antonio as a big build uh, individual and, and an athlete, that finishing, you can only wish that Adama Traore would do half of what Mikel Antonio does, which we'll, we'll talk yeah. about later. Exactly. Spot on, spot on. Yeah. And you know what? I, every time I see Mikel Antonio play, Craig, I, 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 do, I do wonder what he'll be like at a Champions League club, whether he can still keep that going. Do you know what I mean? Because he would be a... You can't play him in the Champions League. Seriously. Yeah, he, he's got everything. Who does he remind you of? He reminds you of Lukaku. Yeah. Right? When, when, he, when he's in that form. Because he's got the power that comes from that strength plus the speed that he has. And, and for a, a big target man like that, he's got a pretty good touch. He's sharp in the box. He gets shots away early. Causes and he, he works pretty hard. He's prepared to run across the line, you know, into channels, into spaces, will t- go in behind defenders to try and drag them out of position. And he's just really improved his overall game. And again, give some credit to Moyes for that. You can tell that the players that he's worked with consistently over last season, pre-season, the start of this season, have improved. And and some of that has to go down to what's happening on the training ground and mm. the, the coaching that they're receiving. And 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 of course, we talk about so often the factor of confidence. Those players, they played at such a consistently high level last season, albeit they dropped off just a little bit towards the end. And I, I think that's still going to be the same thing. Can they, the consistency, they should have won that game. You yeah. know, they, they let Palace back into it. I mean, yeah. Cam is absolutely right. The, the second goal from Gallagher was absolutely superb. But that little bit of game management experience, that just that little bit of discipline at either end to either finish the game off by getting the third goal or keeping it tight so that they, they wouldn't get back into in the palace at the other end. It's what might still cost West Ham in terms of, of points come the end of the season. But yeah, it's, it's been so refreshing to watch the way Moyes yeah. has gone about it. And I agree with Arvin, you know, the, the fans looked just delighted. I'm sure they were disappointed with the result at the end of the day, but they know that there's a lot of really good things happening around that club. And, and again, fans who've maybe suffered for, for a while <laughs> over, over maybe four, five, six seasons. Uh, good to see West Ham back and mounting a real challenge for things. Yeah, and, and also a uh, chink of light at the end of the tunnel, maybe for, for Crystal Palace fans. It may, you know, it may work out. The window is still open. I understand Palace are still in the market for players, so watch this space. Right, we head into another break. We'll be back right after this. He went left, he went right, he jinked that way, he jinked this way. And then he hits a low right-footed shot into the corner of the Burnley net. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Not for one moment in truth has there been the merest hint that the big league would be beyond them. The reality is that they have improved it. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Back with Cam Razlan, Arvin Sidhu and Craig Wilkie as we ease into our first international break of the season. Don't worry, don't worry. We're still on air. Still a lot to talk about. The transfer window shuts on Tuesday and we'll talk about that uh, on Friday for sure, for sure. For now, though, uh, let's clear up some of the uh, weekend three results that happened. Uh, We spoke about West Ham Crystal Palace before the break. Norwich and Leicester. Uh, Leicester left it late, but they won 2-1 at Norwich. And Cam, your, your second team, Norwich City... Fear for them, really do. Fear for them. Are they? Are they my second team now? Okay. <laughs> Good for to this know. Week, I say second. It could be the seventy-nine. Yeah, I get confused myself. Um, I, actually, I would favour uh, Leicester over Norwich. I have to say, but I um, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, Jamie Vardy, and when he scored his goal, Optostats um. Uh, tweeted out, I kind of felt like a very random stat, but maybe it means something, which is that he has now scored as many goals as Steven Gerrard. Um, and you know, Steven Gerrard, he's not, he, wasn't, he wasn't a striker, but he was, he's a folk legend and considered one of the greats. And, um, you know, Vardy's in the age of Harry Kane. But I just think he's just this fantastic goal scorer. And it was a really well-taken goal that so few people could um, take. The, uh, you know, this is, they're a really good team. And I think that um, their manager, if... Arsenal could have a wish list. Brendan Rodgers would be perfect. Good shout. Perfect for, for Arsenal. But he's never going to leave Leicester. Why would you to go to Arsenal? 
Yeah, good shout, good shout. Uh, oh, only shining light for Norwich out of this is the fact that, okay, they got on the score sheet. Timu Puki put one away. Maybe it's it's kind of getting off and running, but wow, you, it, it, it looks like a struggle, Arvin, doesn't it, for Norwich? And how did they get their penalty? How did they get their goal? It was a penalty with Soyuncu was needlessly sliding in. He didn't. Need to. <laughs> how dumb so was that, that? Exactly. So that was how they scored their first goal of the Premier League. It's the third, third straight defeat right now. Or, or it's self-inflicted errors, uh, frustration a little bit. Var at the end because uh, because um, yeah, they thought they got it. Was, yeah, yeah. Todd Cantwell was blocking the goalkeeper. Uh, but but what concerns me with with Leicester uh, with Norwich is that Daniel Farker comes out after the game and says, "Great performance, great mentality, not a deserved outcome." He would have been disappointed with a draw. Now, this is very similar to what happened to Norwich seasons ago. They, they go out there, they play, they do, they do relatively well, and then the results don't come for them. And then they get, they get found out by it. having a, a, a centre-back partnership with Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson, for me, just is not going to cut it. And even having, even Billy Gilmore and Brandon Williams had mistakes in them last yeah. time. So where, well, they're like, young, aren't they? Like, yeah, they're young. And, and he's come out and said that they've come from other clubs so that they can play here. And I'm here to give them the game time so they can recover, but they don't have time for that. Throughout the course of the season, this will cost them points. So the only the only shining light for me on the day was Max Aarons. Max Aarons for me mm. kept Harvey Barnes quiet. He's their best player, and it's just really surprising for me that he's still there after all these many years because he could go into he could go into a top ten Premier League team in my opinion. Well, he could go in the next 24 hours. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. Moving on. Aston Villa and Brentford shared the points at Villa Park. It was fast and frenetic, this game, Craig Wilkie. And I've got to take my hat off to, to Brentford. Um, they, they're, they're holding up well. They're, they're giving a good account for themselves. They are the best performing of the promoted teams. Yeah, they've they've done fantastically well. And you look at it, you know, they've got five points from three games. And in every one of those three games, they've been absolutely competitive. They haven't looked like a newly promoted side. They've looked like a side that have been around in the Premier League for three or four seasons. And that would be the most encouraging thing for, for the manager, for the players and for the supporters. And I, I like the balance of the side as well. You know, we, we just talked about Norwich and, and the problem there is they make so many individual mistakes and they put themselves under pressure at the back. But Brentford looked to me as though they've got a bit of solidity about them. You know, they're, they're willing to kind of get men behind the ball when they have to, right? They, and, and that part of that is acceptance. You, sometimes you just don't have as good players as the opposition and you have to take account of that and you have to find ways tactically of, of managing those situations. But at the same time, they've got some players who are decent on the ball in midfield. I thought Norgard again, you're really impressed. So much goes through him when they try and get yeah. forward and he provides them with a bit of a platform. And, and Tony, who was one that was, was talked about, you know, about how would he adapt to, to life in the Premier League? Would he, would he be a kind of an imposing striker that was going to cause defenders tr- trouble? So far, yes, is the answer. And he, he took his goal really well. You know, got that little bit of space in the box and, and just got that finish away into the roof of the net. And so much confidence they'll take from those three games. I mean, you look at clubs who go into the international break on a high, Brentford are definitely one. And Villa probably, you know, they weren't quite at their best. I think they're still adjusting to the post-Grealish era, some of the new players that they brought in. But Villa away is, is not an easy game no. at all in the Premier League. So Brentford went there, played well, deserved their point, and have made a very strong start to the season overall. Yeah, you, you get the feeling with, with uh, Aston Villa, um, they're, they're building up. They're build- I mean, Ollie Watkins came on and you kind of forgot you go oh my goodness yeah they did sign all and he did get 18 goals last season didn't he and he nearly scored so i, I mean Brundia put in a uh that was a good shift he put in there he's he's gonna come good because he's a quality player aston villa look all right cam do, do you reckon they, they can dream of maybe a top six or something like that or top seven now be good enough for europe yeah, I was really crossing my fingers and hoping you wouldn't come back to me because I watched this match, but I have no recollection of it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll swiftly move on to Alvin then, shall I? Uh, <laughs> when the goal was should. pretty good. <laughs> I think you should. Yeah, go Aston well, Villa. Mean, I mean, Arvin, you, Aston Villa, do, I mean, they, they look, we, we've said, we've said they've spent the, the Jack Grealish money really well. Um, I mean, the, the new signing on, on the left-hand side was actually injured as well. I've got him in my fantasy yep. team. 
I, I can't remember his name at the moment. Was it Leon Bailey? Leon Bailey, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, they've yeah. got good players, right? They do, they do. Uh, it was an excellent equaliser by Emilio Bindia. I mean, from, yeah. to, for him to have that turn and finish into the corner from the edge of the box, I thought it was a brilliant goal. Uh, and they got, they almost got another one through, yeah. through Danny Ings if it wasn't for the save by the, by the Brentford keeper. Uh, and they were, they were nice. They were encouraging signs as Rick Consa was the first, first time he had captained the squad and that showed that it meant a lot to him. Uh, as you said, Oli Watkins is back. Kani Chukoema came in as well. I think the second youngest Villa player after Gareth Barry. I thought they were a little bit underwhelming after the equaliser. I thought they could have gone in and, and, and with, with the, the crowd behind them at Villa Park, they could have got it. But, but again, like what, what Craig said, I think a lot of credit has to go to Brentford because Brentford, if you, if you follow them in the championship and, and you've seen how they've come up now, there's a certain Nordic identity about them. Mm. Pontus Janssen, Christian Norgard, and now they have signed Christopher Ayer from Celtic. These are tough players. These are players that will fight for you on the pitch. Really, really but battle-hardened warriors. And that's what you need in the, in, in, in the Premier League. So for me, I think they, they will do well. And they've, they've, Thomas Frank, for me, is such an intense manager, but he's a very emotional manager. So you can see it means a lot to him. So, I know. Yeah, and every I'm, time the commentator said, called the Brentford goalie David Raya, I, I, I keep <laughs> thinking, oh, it's Slamat Hari Raya. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> all right, yeah, poor joke. I'll move on. Spurs fans are really happy at the moment, Craig Wilkie. They are top of the table. Song Hyo Min marked his 200th Premier League appearance with the only goal of the game. Three 1-0 wins for Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, yeah, Spurs fans are loving it at the moment. Yeah, and, and they should be. It's perhaps taken, taken some of us by surprise that they find themselves on nine points after three games. And not just when you look at some of the fixtures they've had as part of that, but also the fact that so much uncertainty coming into the season. I mean, nobody knew last season was a difficult season because things went sour under Mourinho, as can sometimes be the case. Daniel Bale leaves. There's the whole Kane saga over the summer. Will he stay? Will he go? And I honestly expected that he would leave. I'm surprised that he's still there, but that just shows you how difficult it is to deal with Daniel Levy when it comes to transfers. And so, and then Nuno, of course, who we know wasn't the first choice for the managerial job, but so he had a bit of, bit of pressure on him, something to prove. Yeah. And what he's done is, is just really impressive. I, I don't think Spurs have been spectacular in any of those three games that I've seen them in, but they've been very, very solid. And, and maybe actually solid is doing them a bit of a disservice. They've been, a, they've been slightly more than that, but he's really got that shape of the team. Yeah. He's set them up in a way that we're going to be difficult to play through. We're going to try and try and create a platform whereby teams are going to find us hard to beat first and foremost. And then we'll look to see how we can play. And of course, until, until yesterday, he's been doing that largely without Kane. So Kane coming back in is a huge lift. And he wasn't at his best. We know that. He hasn't maybe had as full a preseason as he would have liked. I'm sure his head is still a little bit um, all over the place in terms of where he might have been. But he's a very experienced professional. He's been around a long time. I'm sure he still wants to leave, but now he knows he's going to be there. So he just has to, to put his head down and do, do the business on the pitch. And, and I've no doubt that he will. Um, and that, that partnership that he's had with Son, the way that that's progressed. The goal was a bit of a bizarre one. It was a big, big he goal. He never meant error. it, did he? Uh, uh, well, but it's, it's, it's a great tactic. I don't know why people don't do that more often. Yeah, of yeah. Whipping, just whipping that ball there. in. Yeah. Absolutely. Just aim for the back post and it puts defenders under all sorts of pressure. Your striker can get in there, you can get an own goal or on occasions like that, it just whips all the way in, into the back of the net. And, you know, three clean sheets as well. That's, you know, again, we talk about clubs who go into the international break with confidence. What, what a fantastic position to be in. Yeah. I, ironically enough, I still don't know about that Spurs defence, you know, with Dyer playing there. And <laughs> I know they brought in a little bit of reinforcements. So I think it'd be interesting to see how, how they settle down in terms of, who his first choice back four or back five, however he wants to play it, turns out to be. Uh, but yeah, you, you can't ask for more than three wins and three clean sheets out of your first three games. So happy times for Spurs fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there, there will be a lot more difficult games to come for, to test that Spurs back line that Greg Wilkie just mentioned. Um, all right, final break. Uh, back with uh, the Cristiano Ronaldo team right after this. Absolutely magnificent. Well, that is a thing of beauty from a man right on top of his game. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Well, in terms of the purity of the strike, its its direction, the power, 
it's it's all perfection. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Back with Cam Russell. I'm back with Arvin Sedu and Craig Wilkie. It's the uh, it's an international break starting. Well, it started already and uh, we'll still be on air. We'll still be telling you what's going down because the, the transfer deadline uh, shuts tomorrow. So plenty to talk about on Friday. We will also be announcing the manager of the month for our BFM Fantasy Football League brought to you by my-soccer.com. And Fantasy League managers do follow our Facebook page, BFM Football, because we've got tips, fantasy football tips, and they're really good ones. If you see the, 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 the previous ones they've been given, they, they, they've all come out. They've all played too true, as they say. And that's all thanks to the Banger Committee, all on our Facebook page, BFM Football. All right then. On Friday, uh, when we when we recorded the show, um, the guys said, um, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo could well be a Man City player by, by the weekend. He, he could well line up against Arsenal. Of course, Kane was out of the question. And then Friday evening happened, and wow, CR seven back at Man United. Cam Raslan, is it is it sentimental rubbish? Or, or do you think he can work this one? Well, I mean, he was the top scorer in Serie A last year. Um, like more goals 36, than Lukaku. though. 37, I think, actually. Um, and I, I looked at the old clips of him at United and all his teammates then. It's like they're all in nursing homes. They're so old. <laughs> um, but it, I am so excited. I'm not a United fan, but I don't hate United either. And I, I, I have some of the most thrilling football I've watched was... Uh, was the the Ferguson United, and I think that um, Ronaldo will help bring some of that back. His uh, his urgency, his dedication, his commitment. I think you know Fergie time will be back. Instead, those last ten minutes of United matches are going to be thrilling, whereas they've just been sort of dead for the last few years. And he, I don't think Pogba has any respect for Solskjaer whatsoever, but he'll have respect for Cristiano Ronaldo, probably even have fear. And I'm so looking forward to being Ronaldo, seeing Ronaldo be disgusted by a Pogba pass. Pogba, um, no, it's Fred. Or Fred, it's, or it's any Fred. of them. Trust any me, of them. It's, it's Fred. <laughs> yeah, my only concern, that he is going to be competing for the one bright spot in United's lineup, which has been Fernandez. But... Uh, I, you know, yeah, okay, sentimental journeys and all I, that. And to quote, a, quote a, a famous son of Manchester, it's rolling back the years, but it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. This is this is Cantona from Leeds kind of excitement for me. Don't you quote simply read songs on this show? Never, never. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a big signing, Arvin. I mean, is it is it because United had a chance to put one over City? Was that why they got the deal done? You, you read about how Fergie called them, called Ronaldo up and, and said, you're, you're not going there, are you, son? And then, I mean, was it that? Or, or is it a signing that can really work? Yeah, a bit of both. I think it will be a signing that will work because he will bring, as Roy King has come on and said, he will bring the desire to win things. And for many seasons now, United have stagnated at semis and in the final of the Europa League. He will bring that mentality to get them across that finishing line. And the Ronaldo that Cam had mentioned was a Ronaldo that is a very different Ronaldo for what it is right now. Right now, the likes of Bruno Fernandes and, and Greenwood and all, all they need to do is just whip the ball in the box. He will find space and he will put it in the back of the net. And in that upfront position, you cannot expect Edison Cavani to play as many games throughout the season mm -hmm. and, as many, and many competitions. So I think it's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant signing because he will never let his standards drop and he will continue to feel that he can do and his body, and we've talked about how he's literally an athletic specimen of a, of a wonder kind. He will push himself to be able to get there. So I, I actually think it, it was the signing of the window for me, even more than Messi, because Messi it was the circumstances and how it happened that they couldn't afford him and PSG swooped him. This was a player that wanted to leave. And it was, I was talking to a few friends, he almost felt like a sports documentary. He's on a jet plane, but you don't know which side of Manchester he's going to go to. <laughs> and then he went, he went back home because I think I think it's it's a good story, even for non-Man United fans. Yeah, it, you, exactly. Come on, you must have a heart of stone if you don't see any romance in that story. Now, as far as his cost goes, uh, the Man United stock price went up 8% 
in 24 hours after after Ronaldo signed, and and Lord knows how many shirts he's going to sell. I I hear he's getting number 28. All right, let, let's leave all that. Ronaldo wasn't on the pitch for Man United at the weekend. They struggled to a one nil win at Molyneux against Wolves and Craig Wilkie. I mean. The big money signing Sancho played and, and he's thinking, oh my goodness, it's not Hertha Berlin and Stuttgart I'm playing against every week, is it? These guys fight a bit more. And, um, but Varane, um, not, not really troubled. In fact, he had an assist. I mean, still an expensively assembled side, this United side. Yeah, well, you just mentioned the romance of everything, Ross, and then you talked about the stock price of Manchester United. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business station, yeah? That's, 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 the, that's the romance of the game right there. But yeah, when you, when you look at that game, honestly, I thought Manchester United were awful against Wolves. Awful. Really, Agreed. really that really that bad. And, and for awful, Wolves... you, can, you can swap in four letters. Fred. <laughs> Fred. And... Wolves didn't just deserve a point out of that game. Wolves deserved to win it. Yeah, they, 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 they should they, have been 2-0 the, up at half-time. They were the better side throughout almost the entire game. And the thing is, you know, just to link it a little bit back to the, Re- the Ronaldo situation, I agree with Cam that it's, it's fun and it's exciting. I agree with Arvind that I think the signing of Ronaldo will work and there's, there's a certain sense to it. But you look at how Manchester United played against Wolves and that type of performance that they put in over the last couple of seasons... The fix for that problem is not Cristiano Ronaldo. And we know exactly what the fix for that problem is. And it remains to be seen whether that problem will or won't be fixed before the end of this this window or whether that will be fixed at some point throughout this season. And the strange thing was I I watched Solskjaer interview before the game. And of course, there was a lot of talk about Ronaldo. But then he came on to talk about the game and he said, the important thing here is that we go and impose ourselves, that we go and play our brand of football, that we put them under pressure. None of that happened. It was that same old story. Start very slowly. Wolves got on top. And then I'm, I'm looking around at that team for who's going to change it. You're looking to Pogba. You're looking to Fernandez. Fred, we know, is, is frankly just not up to the level. That's, that's I'm not even sure line. he's Brazilian. <laughs> well, there's, there's also that question. Um, and they were, they were just outplayed by Wolves. Not only were they outfought, outmuscled, outharried, but Wolves played the better football. So the only thing you can give Manchester United credit for, and they do deserve credit for this, is that they stuck at it, they, they kept their, their heads, and they, got, they knew they would get a chance here and there. And, and Greenwood is turning into one of those players, give him one chance, and he will... What, what I love about him, what's so special is, he gets the ball out of his feet so quickly and he gets his shots away. And then the other thing he does, I actually thought the goalkeeper was maybe a little bit at fault to be beaten at that angle. Yeah. But... When Greenwood gets in a position like that, nine times out of ten, he hits the target. He doesn't hit the side netting. It doesn't go over the bar. He asks a question of the goalkeeper. And if you do that enough times, you're going to get lucky sometimes. The goalkeeper is going to make a mistake. And, and he will score goals. And, and that's, that's the difference in a game like this. You know, Wolves just couldn't get the ball over the line. De Gea made a couple of, you know, one absolutely, you know. <laughs> two. Miracle, two miracle save. From, from right? Roman size. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. But, but just, just one word on Wolves is that we talk about trust the process. They've had three 1-0 defeats. Yeah. But if they play like that, you can trust the process because I thought they were really, really impressive over Agreed. the 90 minutes. Really and, and the pleasing thing is, it sounds like the, the entire Molyneux is behind Bruno Larcher. So good Absolutely. thing. I, I, we're hoping they, they, they do get points and, and they move along. We have to move along and talk about Leeds United. Patrick Bamford, what a week it's been, called up to the England squad and he celebrates with a goal against a guy who basically dissed him, Sean Dyche. I, I read that Sean Dyche said to Patrick Bamford once, you're just born with a silver spoon in your mouth. And uh, Bamford's enjoyed scoring against Burnley since. But um, yeah, Patrick Bamford, good on him, eh, Arvin? Yeah, good on him. Uh, it was a game of two strikers that scoring against their previous teams, even um, Chris Wood. And two actually, similar goals as well. Yeah, two similar goals. The ball was heading in one direction and they both tapped it in and directed it into the other. Um, there are some concerns with Leeds, the way that they've started. Two points out of nine is not a great return. Yes, it's been Man United and then a strong Everton, but the Leeds of last season would have beaten Burnley. Uh, Burnley got the goal, Leeds came back and deserved equalised. 
and then there was just not enough time for them to get get that second goal. Um, but it was just a game where it was two different schools of football, isn't it? On one side, you had Burnley kicking all the players all around. I'm so surprised that Ashley Barnes didn't get a red card for the tackle that he did on Stuart <laughs> Dallas. Uh, but that's what you expect from Burnley when you go there. And I thought Leeds at time looked rattled. They allowed Burnley to play that the way that they play. The Leeds of last season didn't allow it because the Leeds of last season played around them. So there's some work for Marcelo Bielsa to do. It was always going to be a tough second sophomore season. Uh, but he needs to kind of get it right. And it doesn't get easier because they play Liverpool after the international break. So Yeah, and, and Liverpool too know all about a uh, good kicking Burnley can hand out. <laughs> they were there last weekend. Um, uh, Cam, quick word about Leeds before we go. I think it's, uh, it's, it's amusing to hear a Leeds United fan complain about um, having their players kicked around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you, you harking back to the old days now? But, exactly. but, but I, I am, I am actually a little concerned, uh, as I think Arvind is, uh, that um, that you know, pleasing the neutrals uh, is becoming. Well, it's not that that is their plan, but they're not converting those uh, points, and um, this could be a real problem. Burnley, Burnley, they should be getting three points here, and uh, it could be it could be a problem later on. All right. Well, elsewhere, very quickly, um, there, there were some uh, big 2-2 draws all over the place. Newcastle United denied um, uh, a win. Last minute uh, equaliser, Southampton got against them. Um, Brighton, we spoke about. Norwich, we spoke about. Um, that, that's, I think that's about it. I think we've covered everything. We're, we're the professionals that we are. So I can let the guys go. Listen, international break and all that. But we will be back on Friday. We will be announcing our Premier League, first Premier League Manager of the Month, the BFM League brought to you by my-soccer.com. I say now thanks to Craig Wilkie. You have plenty of time for me to tinker with my fantasy team to no real effect over the international break. Yeah, you and me. I was thinking, should I use my wild card now? <laughs> I've been sitting. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Have a good Independence Day tomorrow. Yeah, indeed. Cam uh, Raslan, Medeka! Yeah, uh, yeah, Medeka, and uh, thank you. And that is a super finish. And boy, they're welcome back. They are very welcome back. Off the ball every Monday at 8 p.m. on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.